EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh. I'm so glad that you are listening in today, and we are part of your week. We just hope that we're a blessing to you and encourage you along the uh, path of pastoring an established church. We have a heart for the established church. I do. So do my co-hosts, both Micah and Sam. Sam, Micah, how's your day going? It's going great because because you know what episode this is? Uh, 50? Number 50. Halfway wow. to 100. Look at this. That's right. I was going to celebrate awesome? in two more because that would be a year, but uh, we can celebrate now. We can celebrate both. We're Americans, and I'm a millennial, so I can celebrate everything. You know? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just thrilled that you guys have kept me around as long as you have. I, I, you know, I never thought I'd have this this amount of longevity, 50 episodes. And to, and to a millennial, this is like deal. a lifetime of longevity, so, you know. Pretty yeah. much. Pretty yeah. much, uh-huh. <laughs> I, and I am yeah. a millennial. I'm an old millennial. You two I are the millennials on the show. I'm bringing up the old man section of the show, the Gen X section of the show over here. <laughs> and yet, he has the trendiest haircut, and so he's the cool guy. Oh my gosh. And I've got the I've got the grayest hair of us all. You're so also I, the, hey. you're also the one finished with your education. The rest of us are you know just scrapping along. How I'm is probably, that going? I'm are, probably are you, finished too. <laughs> are you are you taking classes still, Micah? Yeah. Are you are you yeah. gonna get that that? I'll that get done doctorate? eventually. I'm I'm at a very slow part time pace. I was looking today. I'm halfway done with my seminars, uh, or about halfway done with my on campus seminars, and uh, so I should be done with seminars June of 2019. And then I'll have comps and dissertations. So I'm hoping that I walk. You know, by December of 2020, something like that. Mm. Are we invited? Darn skippy. I'm not paying for you, but you're welcome to come. Um, well, that's better than Sam. Sam, Sam didn't even invite us to his graduation. In my city. In your he own didn't even city. Invite that's a good point. <laughs> he just came in and left with a diploma. Hey, no, listen, I think he told me I, he was I came to your church when I, yeah. when I defended my dissertation. That's not oh, yeah, that's that. true. He preached here, and then we ate together. So never mind. No, oh, now you and, feel and, bad, if, Josh. And and I had and I had the luxury of having the stomach flu, the day I was I supposed to defend. That. Were you really that. dealing with that? That's oh. miserable. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh well, they postponed it because nobody <laughs> wanted to hear me. <laughs> yeah, or be in the room with you. <laughs> no, <laughs> or no. So I, so I had for... an extra. I had an extra three days that I just laid in bed. But yeah. Mm. So great topic for our our half century mark flu? here. Yes. <laughs> Well, we could talk about something that causes people to have stomach aches. I've, Let's I've talk about. Up, I've thrown up while preaching. I've, I have done while that. preaching. While, while preaching, I did yes. leave the mm-hmm. stage one time and run to the restroom in the middle of the sermon, and then came back and finished my sermon. <laughs> I literally have. Done I left out. during worship and did that, but I never not during the sermon. I passed. I knew out and it. threw up. Threw up 
and then I woke up and the personnel chair and the chairman of the deacons is cleaning up around me. I'm like, what are you guys doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where am Did I? you finish your sermon, I, I, Sam? I, <laughs> apparently, I don't, I don't even remember it. I was so sick. Appar- and this was a long time ago. But apparently, I just said, and that concludes my sermon. <laughs> well, and everybody said, oh, we know. <laughs> I said, and that I, this is what everyone told me. I said, and that concludes my sermon. I walked off stage, walked around back, and uh, the the sound guy, um, he was. You deaf. still had your mic on. So what woke and he and he slept during the sermons. And what typically woke him up to know to cut my mic off was the song for the invitation mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no invitation time, so he didn't wake up to turn my mic off. So I was able to walk out back and. Um, I was and, able to walk out. I was able to walk out back do. and uh, and puke my brains out over mm-hmm. a li- over a live mic. Over a live. Wow, mic. I knew a guy that preached the whole sermon, walked out the side door, vomited out there, and he just got straight in his truck and left. He just felt so bad, but never once did you know he was feeling bad during the middle of that sermon. He just kind of just held it all together and took care of it. And so, that, did well, he conclude, I mean, did he conclude his sermon by saying? And that concludes my sermon. <laughs> no, he went straight through the whole sermon. He did the sermon, the invitation, everything, walked out the side door. But we're not talking about preaching particularly today. We've done that before, and I would encourage people to go back in the archives there. It's only 50 episodes, so you can find it yourself. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. We're going to talk about sermon preparation, actually putting the thing together. And this came in through Twitter. A lot of people are like, you know, how do you guys actually put the sermon together? I recently uh, received an email and kind of an update about an online software that was kind of, you could set up a template for your sermon and keep the sermons and the series all organized and stuff like that. And once you set up your template, then every week you just kind of go in and type in the different little areas. And it even had like, it was linked to illustrations. So if you need an illustration, grab one and, and drag it over here. I think that's a very modern way to do it. But let's talk a little bit about setting up your sermons for me, that starts about a year in advance when I'm kind of planning everything out. And I think that's a good place to start. How far in advance, just briefly, how far in advance do you plan out your sermon series, Sam? Yeah, I'm about 12 to 18 months. So I'm, I'm always thinking yeah. 12 to 18 months out. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, I have a, a calendar that I stick to. I, I try to do uh, both within a year, to within 12 mm-hmm. to 18 months, depending on the the series I try to do both topical and exegetical verse by verse and I try to alternate those series as best I can so topical verse by verse topical verse by verse and I'm also trying to alternate between Old Testament and New Testament so Mm -hmm. you know if I've been in the New Testament for a series or two you know verse by verse I try to go back to the Old Testament Um, it's not exact you know obviously I want the Holy Spirit to lead me as I'm preaching a sermon and there may Mm -hmm. be a series where the Lord just says, hey, you just go preach this book, and I'll just go do that. But, you know, I do think it's good to expose my people in any given 12- to 18-month period to both topical and exegetical sermons, as well as a series through the Old Testament and a series through the New Testament. Um, okay. So um, that, that's what just kind of how I start. That's big picture. Yeah. What about you, Micah? How far out in advance do you – just, like, how far do you plan? We do sermon planning once a year. And okay. um, we actually just finished it. We did it in the month of August. And mm-hmm. so we have all of the sermons planned out through the end of next year right now. So mm. every uh, next year, late summer-ish, 
early fall, we'll get back together and we'll plan out. So that's almost 18 months in advance. We have everything mm -hmm. done. And, um, yeah. you know, we do basically all of our series, all of our sermons are expository, but sometimes they're topical series with expository messages, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The vast, the vast majority of what we do are book studies, but occasionally mm -hmm. we'll do, um, you know, an ex a topical series. So like for next year, uh, I'm looking to see if I can pull up our calendar for next year. And when you say book studies, you're saying like Circle Bible. Maker no, or no, no. I mean oh, okay. books of the yeah. Bible. Okay. So, um, so like I'll just kind of give you a layout of what we're doing. So this year we did the Book of Acts um, mm, all year long. That's a good. It's book. a great book, but it also is a big book. And mm -hmm. it, and so what we did is we did one. Um, the series for the whole year was called Sent, and then we broke up the mm -hmm. Book of Acts into mini series. And uh, so we're doing one uh, right now called We Are Sent. Um, next month, uh, we've got this weekend is our last weekend in the series. And then we go to what we call um, Chains, and that'll end the book of Acts for us. And so next year, we won't do a big book. Uh, we'll do books, mm -hmm. but there'll be smaller books. So the first four weeks of the year, we're doing some vision stuff. Then we're doing the book of R Ruth. Then we'll do a two-week Easter series. Do you guys know, by the way, what day Easter is next year? April Fool's. It's April Fool's Day. That's right. Mm. So our so our Easter series. It's going to be so cheesy. Well, our Easter series next year is foolish. <laughs> I've got. Is what I've we're got so many jokes. Yeah. That's I've not so bad. So See, this is my point. That's clever. Here's what we know. We know lots of people are going to make jokes about April Fool's and Easter, right? Like lots of secularist, atheist. We know that. So we thought, do we ignore it? Do we lean into it? We don't want to be cheesy. So we, we thought, let's just be honest. The Bible says the gospel is foolish for those who don't believe. But it's the power of God unto salvation for those who do believe. So our two-week Easter series is called Foolish. And uh, then we're doing Esther. Then we're doing, uh, by the way, we totally ripped you off, uh, Sam. We're doing Summer in the Psalms next summer because that's what Sam did this year. And I love that what idea. A cheater. And so we're totally mm -hmm. ripping them off. Then we're doing First and... All those sermons are available at westbrainton.org. <laughs> 1995 per sermon. I, listen, for a small fee. You should, you should make, it's just for our listeners, you should make your sermons your own. I don't care if you listen to my sermons and get ideas. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, I put them out there for a reason. Yeah. So, Micah, if you want to preach my sermons, you feel you you're the man. Preacher, well, my you. Easter series next year is called Foolish. <laughs> so, uh, I know. I like that idea. I'm, I'm totally going to change. I'm totally going to change yeah. my, uh, so are, my Easter series. So are about a thousand. Yeah. Right <laughs> They're all going there. Well, here's the cool thing. What we will do to help you. I think we've mentioned this before. We have a website called resourcethe.church. Mm -hmm. We take all of our sermon graphics and all of our uh, supporting documents and we put it on Resource the Church and we give it away for free and it's not branded with Brainerd branding. So we will do all of our foolish graphics and everything. We'll try and have them done in advance and we'll put them up there. And if you, if you or listeners want to do foolish for a two-week Easter series, you can do it and you can have all of our graphics and stuff supporting documents and that way you can just make it your own so we'll give it all away mm. but my point in all that you know we're doing first and second peter we're going to do a series on giving we're going to do jude and then we do our advent series we always do a four-week advent series to end the year um, that's what our series looks like next year our sermon so it's almost all except we're doing a vision series we're doing giving and then in the summer we'll do psalms mm. those are the three times when we're not actually walking through a book well, in Easter and Foolish. And then we're going to do one, two, three, four, five book series through the rest of the year. 
All right. Well, let's transition here. I'm doing like um, we're doing a two and a half year through the Bible, and that starts in January. Okay. So it's just a little bit different. Yeah. But let's transition here to the actual preparation of the sermon, actually getting it. So we're not talking about the big yeah. planning, and we're also not talking about the homiletics or the delivery. Yeah. We're talking about the actual um, preparation of the sermon. So on week, in any given week, how far in advance do you guys prepare? Yeah. What do you? I'm I'm eight weeks out. You're prepared I'm eight done, weeks out. I'm re, they are manuscripted out for eight weeks. Now that's I'm cheating because I took a course on the Sermon on the Mount. We're about to start Sermon on the Mount, and the final was that yeah. I had to write out eight yeah, sermons. Yeah, that is so cheating. <laughs> I cheated big time, but I'm trying to keep it that way. I'm keep I'm working ahead now. So how far out do you normally do? Normally I'm three weeks, but how far out are you normally? Sam, what about you? I I, I can't I can't work further than a week out so i plan i, I think a lot of people do that yeah, i think yeah, i plan the series mm-hmm. yeah i i can plan a series out i could plan six years out as far as the mm-hmm. series i'm gonna do um but the actual sermon i used to try to work ahead and i could create my schedule to where i could do that but what mm-hmm. i found is i can't preach that sermon that's three weeks behind me I, that like I prepared. Stale feeling, yeah. Y- yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not good in that way. So I have mm-hmm. to write, So, but I do get a head start. So Monday morning, the Mondays are sacred. Mondays are completely, you know, for sermon preparation. Um, I'm old school, so I take my Bible out. It's a print copy of a Bible. I take a yellow legal pad, and mm-hmm. I do chicken scratch for two, three hours, um, just praying through the text, meditating on the text. God, what are you saying through this text? What is the intended meaning of this text? How does this apply to my church? And I literally, I legal pad five, six, seven pages just of stuff, just random doodlings and thoughts. Um, and then I'll, I'll start after that. I'll kind of say, okay, what's my main point? Like, And I call it my main point every week. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So you're a week. How far are you, uh, Micah? So we do, do our sermon prep, prep uh, the week of the sermon. And so okay. we start on Monday, and we try and be finished by Thursday. So, okay, so do you do you start the same way, though? Like just a big out sketching of the text no, we, and the main point? Uh, somewhat. We, um, so we do sermon prep in group. Uh, mm-hmm. At least our preaching pastor and myself, and, and then sometimes some other folks involved in that. And uh, we we just did this Monday. You know, we sit down with the text. We have a whiteboard in my office, and uh, we print out the text. One of, one of the things that helps me is I print it out. I eliminate all sentence and chapter breaks, and I eliminate all references to chapter and verse. So it's just one mm-hmm. flowing one flowing passage, if that makes sense. Like the brand new CSB Reader's right. Edition which Bibles, which are fantastic. Right here you behind one up. I've got it on my desk. Mine's, they can't see it right mine's now. Mine's too far for my headphones to right here in my arms, in my yeah. hands. Ours look just like that. Yeah, uh, so yes, like that. Because um, I want to read it like a story. I don't want to read it with the, you know... Like a textbook. Like a textbook, yeah. and, and recognizing mm-hmm. the chapter and verse divisions are artificial, right? We all know that. Right. So mm-hmm. we read through that, and then our, what we do on Monday morning at 11 a.m. is we script out the, the primary point of the text, the outline of the text, and we try and we have about an hour, hour and a half where we do that outline and the, the major point of the text, and then we put that into a Google Doc, and then those of us who are preaching that weekend... We share the responsibilities of just on our own time, in and out, throughout the week, going in and editing mm-hmm. the sermon, 
so that by Thursday evening it's done and it's a joint effort between the two of us, at least the two of us who are preaching. You've been listening to EST, a conversation about the established church with our hosts, Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We'll be back shortly after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey, this is Josh. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk to you about one of our EST sponsors, Trained Up. As a pastor, you know that you need to train your volunteers. You also know that that is one of the hardest things possible to do. Trying to get their schedules in order, trying to get everybody to show up, planning and organizing the whole thing can take a lot of your pastoring time away from you. With this resource, Trained Up has not only cut the amount of training meetings in half, it's also significantly increased participation by up to 40%. And that's a win for everybody. Not to mention that Trained Up already has courses built in with just about every ministry area you can think of. So even if you don't know what to cover, they've got you covered. And now for a limited time only, Trained Up is offering a 50% discount on their multi-ministry package for two years. Go to trainedup.org to get started today. Thank you to our sponsors who help further the mission of EST. If you'd like to partner with us and have us spotlight your ministry, go to estchurch.com for more information. Now, let's get back to the show. So Sam, you start with the main point. The first thing that you're looking for is the main point of the text. Yeah, so I asked, I just asked the, a big picture question. What is the intended meaning of this text? Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. what you should ask of every text. Right. Um, and then I try to summarize that in one sentence, maybe two, in a way that is uh, a five-year-old could understand and an 85-year-old could understand. Um, so I, I, that's where I begin with is just, okay, what is the main point about this? And then th- that's really the theology. So I always begin my sermon with mm-hmm. theology, just the theological, you know, the theological meaning of the text. And and from that, okay, after that's about the first five to seven minutes, maybe an opening illustration of my sermon. And then I dive into, okay, how does this apply? So these are the takeaways. And I usually have between two and six or seven takeaways. And that's where I do fill in the blanks. This is what this means for you today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sermon starts as just literally chicken scratch on a legal pad. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like Spurgeon did, legal pad. Yeah, I don't even know how, you know, I've read a lot of Spurgeon. I don't know how he wrote his sermons, actually. I I probably should know that, but I don't. Divine inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had his voice. Um, But but then I I start refining it. I I dig into commentaries like most people will do. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll listen to other people who preach certain texts. You know, if I know a particular pastor preaches the text I'm preaching really well, Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, this, if you're going to talk about the prodigal son, you, you go and you listen to Keller's sermon, Prodigal God, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, so I'll go and listen to maybe a sermon or two, um, maybe get some ideas there. And um, by the end of Monday, you know, this and this could be seven, eight o'clock at night sometimes, you know, I'm I'm sweating, you know, I'm, I've been in it and I've I've got I've got an outline. I've got a framework mm-hmm. um, so that by Tuesday afternoon after I'm done with all my staff meetings and things, um, I've got a draft. I type, I type everything up. So um, I would encourage our listeners, um, if you're still handwriting stuff out, I mean, I get it, but the great thing about typing it all up and having it saved in a particular place with particular file names is, you know, I, I'll think to myself, you know, when, have I preached this before? Mm-hmm. You know, and I can just do a quick word search, and I go, oh, yeah, I did. Three years ago I said this, or I used this illustration. Um so I type everything out so that I can constantly be referencing back to myself. 
and just make sure that I'm not repeating myself as well. So mm-hmm. it gets all typed out. I have a very specific way, probably not good for radio for me to, sh- you know, because I'd need to show you, but I have a very specific way that I, that I print it out on two pieces of paper mm-hmm. um, uh, so that it, sh- it just sits right in my Bible. Um, I know a lot of our listeners may preach from their electronic devices. Uh, mm-hmm. That's great, but I would just recommend anybody that does that, that device may falter, and it will at some point in your tenure. Mm-hmm. So make sure you got a hard copy paper right next to you mm-hmm. just in case. So uh, that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. I'm a pretty simple guy. I th- you know Maybe my sermons are pretty simple too. That's all right. So on Tuesdays, I will start like you do. I read the whole text. I do try to kind of look at it without the without reference to the verse numbers and, and that sort of stuff. I, I'll look at that. Then I sketch it out, like literally draw it. I draw the argument and kind of like do like a hill, you know, and this is the main point of the argument and what's being used to get to that argument. If there is a some sort of application at the end of it, I'll do that. And I just draw literally on a piece of paper. I draw this out. Now, I always end up throwing that stuff away because I'll transfer it into a sermon and then save it into Evernote, but I'll draw it out. Then the next question I ask myself is what is the mood of the text? I will, uh, so real big at the top, I will write like a big word that says uh, encouraging or um, instructive or reproof or something like that. And so that's I put that at the very top and write that out because I want all of my illustrations. I'll even go through my vocabulary selection and use words that lean in that direction to feel that way. I want it to feel the same way that the text feels or is supposed to feel. And a lot of times just asking yourself that question will help you exegete correctly or pull the correct text out, you know, the the main point. So I'll go through that, do that, and then um, that usually is my sermon outline. I've, I already know the argument. I know here's what we're going to do. And so I do follow Andy Stanley's um, Communicating for a Change with a couple of additions into it. So I have a part in the text where I do put, at the very beginning, I'll say something contextual. So this is the argument that Paul has been making so far, or in our series we've been walking through, and you'll remember we did this, this, and this, and that brings us to this point today and what I'm going to talk about. So there's always a contextual part, which I don't think Andy is as worried about because he's not as worried about doing exegetical series he's more topical and then i also have a point in there where i'm specifically trying to address how the gospel is um, illustrated or impacted or how the gospel impacts this conversation so i'll always make sure that those two questions are answered but other than that i do follow his um you know me you god you whatever his actual thing is i have slightly different words but it came from him but i'll do that tuesday morning wednesday morning i can't go all day my brain will start hurting, so I just have to do chunks and certain chunks. By Wednesday morning, I start reading the commentaries and stuff. And just kind of, I'm not looking for the meaning of the text and the commentaries. I've already done that through exegetical work. I'm looking for, you know, pithy things or little insights or something that kind of is helpful in understanding it. And sometimes I do find that I exegeted wrong. So that's the time to kind of do that. And then on Thursday mornings, I do uh, the next sermon. So I'm done Wednesday morning with the sermon I'm going to preach Sunday for sure. You know, now I'm in advance, but I will say one thing. We were talking, you said if you work in advance, it's stale. I feel that way. I did feel that way until I stopped doing the illustrations. So I'll write out all the sermon, the outline, all of that stuff without illustrations. The week of, I reread through it and put in illustrations, and that really freshens it up 
to the point where it's current because all of my illustrations typically happen within the week I, I I nearly illustrate everything based on something that happened this week especially my opening illustration so that that's when I put that back in there and I found that that really kind of freshened it See, up for me I don't write any illustrations in my sermon whatsoever I've, hmm. I all my illustrations are done on the fly extemporaneously in my sermons and um hmm. And I, well, with the exception of scriptural illustrations or quotes, so I'll, I'll try and I like to support scripture with scripture. So I'll find some scriptural illustrations. I'll I'll write those out and I'll put those in my my outline. And if I'm quoting someone to support something I said, I want to make sure I get that right, and so I put it in there. But in terms of illustrations, just and I use lots of personal illustrations in my sermons. I do those on the fly, extemporaneously, in the middle of the flow of the sermon. And I try and preach so that I barely ever look at my sermon outline. My goal is to only right. look at it maybe 10 to 15% of the message time. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would... I sorry, thought, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think we were all just kind of filling in the yeah. stuff. I find the way that I layer my approach is the way that I memorize it. That's how I learn it. So I don't have to take notes up there because I layered my approach. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say two things. Um, you know, one, I don't ever sit down and do long periods of sermon prep. Um, my sermon prep comes in chunks all week long. I have a, I have a half hour here. I have an hour here. I have, you know, an hour and a half here. Um, and I do that off and on throughout the whole week. So for me, I don't, I rarely have ever block out big portions of time for sermon prep. Sermon prep for me is a flowing process all throughout the week. And uh, it helps to keep it fresh in my mind, and that's just the way I think. I mean, I tend to be pretty hyperactive in ADD, you know, so I just I kind of come and go back and forth all the time. But I'm disciplined to make sure that it's finished by the time I get to Thursday. The other thing I was going to say that might be helpful to our listeners, especially those who maybe haven't had formal theological education about putting a sermon together. Somebody gave me this when I was a teenager, and I've had, you know, I've got an undergrad in theology. I took multiple preaching classes in, in college. I got a Master of Divinity, multiple preaching classes in seminary. They were extraordinarily helpful, especially my seminary preaching classes at Midwestern Seminary under Ben Aubrey. But um, somebody gave me this when I was a teenager, and frankly, it's still the way I do sermon prep. I do three things with every sermon. I do explanation, illustration, application. And, and, and if you can think about that, when you grab a text, explain the text, illustrate the text, apply the text. And when I outline my text and say I have three points in my outline, what I'm going to try and do with every one of those points is explanation, illustration, application. And if you can do that with every bit, with every point of your text, you're going to you're going to find yourself to be a really well well thought out, put together preacher. And and it's just a helpful mm. to me. It's a helpful exercise, a helpful rubric to put sermons together. I think uh, one of the ones I use, and I'm the same way you are, but mine's slightly different. I think Lifeway had this in some book. It's just connect, explore, transform. Yeah. So my illustrations are less about. This is what the text means. I'm trying to connect, and I really think that's a huge thing that a lot of preachers don't think through. I think that I, I, I get not writing your illustrations. For me, it's helpful, and I'll tell you the truth. On Tuesday, when I'm putting in a block, I'm not putting down the illustration I'm going to share. I put something like, I need to illustrate confusion in the time of stress. That's all I'm talking about there. Then throughout the week, it always comes to me. Something happens, and I'm like, that's the illustration for this Sunday. That right there, what just happened, and so I start to marinate on it. The other thing that I would encourage people to do, if you're wanting to get better at your preaching, is write out or think through your transitions. Most of the time, 
preaching that I see is poor in the transitions. And that's where you really just drop people or you, you lose them. They didn't jump that whole scale with you. So I know why it makes sense in your mind, but usually you have to have a, a seminary education and know why that made sense to the person. So I really encourage people to write out their, their transitions. Maybe not everybody, but that's something I do. Sam, you were going to say something. I've already forgotten it. You guys are so eloquent. I, I just I just need to I just need to go listen to to Josh and Micah preach so that I can I can be a, a better preacher. Yeah, um, the, that's not the, true. the one thing I will add is please think of your sermon as one narrative. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Instead of instead of choppy parts where you're going to jump from one point to the next. Mm. Um, so I am a writer, and the reason that I sit down on Mondays and just you know just churn through it all is because i think i think like a writer mm-hmm. um which means i'm probably not as good as a preacher or speaker um which is fine i i'm self-aware enough to know and i've gotten um far fewer invitations to preach than than micah has so um I, I i know where my where my <laughs> experience is but um but um but i would say yeah please think of your sermon as one narrative as a whole not as parts um, you will lose people, and b- that's back to your point, Josh, is think of transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of your sermon as one narrative, uh, it tends to flow better as a story, even if you're doing verse-by-verse preaching. So I'm always thinking of, okay, how can I introduce this sermon? Mm-hmm. How can I illustrate this sermon? How can I explain the text? I'm thinking of questions like, what does this text mean, and how does this text apply, and then how can I conclude it? I mean, it's back to your old English class where you you have an introduction and a conclusion and a body in the middle. Your sermon is no different. It, you don't want to write your sermons per se. I, I don't. I, I get that people manuscript. I don't, but um, but you you want because they're meant to be spoken um, mm-hmm. or preached. Uh, but they are still one narrative. It, each sermon should be its own story and should be captivating in that way. Yeah, I manuscript mine out, but I manuscript like I'm reading or, or like I'm speaking. So it wouldn't pass an editor at all. It, the words don't make sense. The way I'm flowing, you know, that sort of stuff is uh, I writing. It's my way of practicing preaching it because then I can look at it and say this needs to be turned. The other point to what you're saying there is what a lot of preachers struggle with is standing up there and feeling natural about it and expressing the point of the text naturally. If it's a narrative, if it's one story and you're giving that, that is super easy to learn and share. If it's like if it's just say let's just say a traditional three-point sermon, you've got something like 20 different small sections. And if you're trying to memorize 20 different sections, you do need an outline or a manuscript or something like that. But if you're just trying to get up and say what did this story, what does this text mean? And you explain that, you have an introduction. That's not hard to memorize. Just the same way you'll go home and tell your wife how your day went, and you don't need an outline to talk about that because you experienced it. It's a story. You're just telling the story. And so I really encourage people to do that. The other thing that I say is when you're, if you're telling through your sermon, I always talk through my sermons with Jackie. I also have to talk through our sermons with our small group guys so that we can develop questions for it. If you're talking through it and you notice a couple times I leave off this one point or this one thing. Guess what? That's probably not necessary. And so I usually cut it out when I leave off those things because it's not part of that narrative. It's usually a rabbit trail that I forget to mention that I had written down on a piece of paper. Micah, any closing thoughts? The great orator Micah. Well, Fries. I mean, I just want to <laughs> – Micah's not a great orator. But, I, I mean, I, going back to one of the things you said 
uh, I think Sam said, make sure the ser- sermon is one narrative. One of the best things mm-hmm. I ever heard from Andy Stanley was was what he calls the one big thing, the zero. You know, so every right. sermon, when I'm putting a sermon together, going back to the what's uh, very similar to what Sam does, what you do, the first thing I ask is, what's the OBT? What's the one big thing in this sermon? And everything I do, no matter how many points I you know work on, no matter how many subpoints there are, illustrations, I'm trying to tell a story about one big thing. What is the text? One big thing, and I think. If we can do that and try to say, instead of trying to always say everything, try and say mm-hmm. one big thing, you'll find that people will receive it, understand it, respond to it, and be transformed by it more than if you try and say everything about everything in every sermon. Absolutely. A lot of great stuff here. I hope that everybody would kind of glean some information. This would help them. Of course, none of us are acting or pretending that we are the greatest preachers in the world. We are not. But we have learned quite a bit, and we want to pass that on to you. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope that it's a blessing to you. Remember to tell somebody else about EST and help us grow the show. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.